This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. All right, very good morning to everyone. It is always a joy and a privilege to gather with God's people. It's a privilege we enjoy, but we do not take for granted, knowing that it is never always promised to us in the manner that we have. Now, before we start, we're going to pray, but it'll be really good if you keep your Bible open to Philemon, because we'll be looking at it together. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning that we can gather to read your word. We pray for your Holy Spirit to help us, help us to move from our distractions that we may have for the whole week and look into your word. Give us the strength and the understanding to understand, to respond, and to live according to your will. We pray all this for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I think the hardest thing in life is to forgive. I think the hardest thing in life is to forgive. These were the words of Louis Zamfarini. He was an Olympic runner an American World War II veteran, a prisoner of war. Zamfarini was a man who struggled with forgiveness after being badly tortured as a POW in Japan. He lived in a very dark place even after the war, when he returned as a war hero, until he finally gave his life back to Christ during one of Billy Graham's crusades. Zamfarini remembered his promise to God when he almost died at war, that he prayed that if God would get him out of it, he would serve him. Later, his son recalled this account. One year later, instead of going back to Japan for revenge, Zamfarini, his dad, went there to preach the gospel and to preach forgiveness. It was important to him to look his former tormentors in the eye and shake their hand and show that he had forgiven them. His memoirs inspired recent biographies and became the subject of two films, both titled Unbroken, one by Angelina Jolie and the other by Harold Kronk. I think the hardest thing in life, said Zamfarini, is to forgive. Now, dear friends, in this bright and cheery morning that we are all seated down comfortably, I wonder how you answer this question. What is the hardest thing for you and for me in life? Would you agree that one of the hardest things in life is to forgive? Because if you have ever struggled to forgive someone who has hurt you deeply, you probably already know this. That forgiveness may be free to the receiver, but it is never cheap. What is given freely is very costly to you if you are the forgiver. Well, this morning we come to a postcard-sized letter that has found its way into the canon of our whole Bible. This very short letter describes the gospel's transformation of lives, a man who repented, and relationships another who needs to forgive. It is an appeal for Christians to deepen our relationships or deepen our response to the common faith shared in Christ Jesus 
it is as much a letter to, for Philemon as it is for you and actually for me. So I'd like to invite us to flip to this letter today in Philemon and join me as we step into this account. Now I'd like to invite you to imagine with me that we have traveled back in time to around AD 62. Back then two men appeared at the doorstep of a church in Colossae. It was about 160 kilometers from the metropolis of Ephesus. And as these two men stepped into the compound of the house church, the noisy crowd that were gathered there went completely silent, followed by intense murmuring in the background. These two men stood silently at the entrance for some time, until finally the owner of the house, Philemon, and perhaps with a few other men, came up to meet these two travelers. One was a friend, Tychicus. The other, his runaway slave, Onesimus, a wanted man. Well, this is just my imagination of how this letter that we are reading was actually presented to Philemon, to his family, and the church in Colossae. The actual unfolding of the event might be quite different. But here are a few things that we do know about the background to this letter to Philemon. Because first of all, we are told that the authors were Paul and Timothy. Look at it in verse 1. Though Paul was really the main speaker. There might have been two letters that were sent together. One to the church of Colossae, called Colossians. And the other, this letter to Philemon, which we have just read. Now the end of both of these letters had very similar personal greetings. We are told in the letter to the Colossians, back in chapter 4, verse 7 to 9, these words. Let me read it to us. Paul said, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. Now, these two letters were delivered by Paul's fellow minister, Tychicus, as well as Onesimus. He had returned to face Philemon. They were tasked to bring the letters, to bring Paul's message, and to provide news about Paul. Now, today's letter was not just a personal letter to Philemon, but a letter to be read by everyone in the church of Colossae. It was addressed to Philemon, look at it, verse 1, to Apiphia and Acripus, verse 2, who might have been his wife or son. And Paul sent his greetings to the church of Colossae. The footnote of your Bible would have pointed to you that the you mentioned in verse 3, verse 22, verse 25, they were plural, referring to the whole church, rather than a singular, just to Philemon. And later at the end of this letter, Paul included the greetings of their founding pastor, Epaphras, who was in prison with Paul at the time he was writing these two letters. Now, we can learn more about Apropos, Acrippus, and the Church of Colossae in the letter of Colossians, which is not our focus today. But I'll just mention briefly a few references for some of us who are the curious. 
We are told in Colossians 1 verse 7 that this church of Colossae heard the gospel through Epaphras, who was converted through the ministry of Paul. And meanwhile, Philemon mentioned in today's Latin verse 19, said that he was converted through Paul's ministry as well. So perhaps Epaphras and Philemon, they were the earliest Christians of this Colossian church. And meanwhile, Acrippus, whom Paul addressed as their fellow soldier in verse 2, he was also mentioned again in Colossians chapter 4, verse 17, to have a ministry entrusted to him by the Lord. And so here we have a letter that is addressed to an individual Philemon, but has implication for all the people of God. Now, the big idea for this letter of Philemon really is this. Let me just put it up on the screen. The big idea for this letter of Philemon is this. The gospel transforms lives, such as the repentance of Onesimus and relationships, whereby here is in focus on the appeal for Philemon to forgive and to reconcile. Now, as Paul gives and prepares Philemon and the church to hear his gospel appeal, he begins by first saying this to Philemon. Look at verse 4 with me. He says, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. Now, Paul told Philemon how thankful he was for his outward love towards God's people. It was evidenced in various ways, including the open out of his home to host the church. And like Epaphras, Philemon was a joy and an encouragement to Paul because he refreshes the church with visible love for them. Paul would later pick up in verse 20, asking Philemon to also refresh his heart by responding positively to his appeal. So here we have Philemon. He's a man, a Christian brother, a gospel partner, a friend, a spiritual son of Paul, a very generous leader of the church. And to this Philemon, Paul wants to appeal that he would forgive, reconcile, and accept Onesimus, his runaway slave, back as a spiritual brother. Now, if you look at Philemon carefully, you'll see that Paul surrounds his appeal with many praises of Philemon. Yet the central motivation that Paul will base his appeal on is really not on uh, on Philemon's character, his reputation, or even for the church to pressure him. Rather, Paul's central motivation comes from the basis of love and the common faith that Philemon shares with all of God's people. So if you look at Philemon, verse 6 is really the key to understanding this letter and the call for Christian living and radical Christianity. So I'd like to invite you to open out your Bible, look at verse 6 together with me. I'm going to put it up on screen as well. Look with me to verse 6. Let me read it for us. Verse 6, I pray that your partnership or fellowship with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share 
for the sake of Christ. Now, verse 6 is a very difficult verse to translate. Some commentaries or Bible translations suggest that verse 6 is about evangelism. That Paul is praying for Philemon to share the gospel message to others. But that's probably not what verse 6 is saying in context. The word koinonia, translated as partnership or sharing, is best understood as the fellowship they have because of their common faith. Paul's prayer is this, that I pray, Philemon, that the fellowship we have in our common faith in Christ will deepen your understanding and so bring about a positive response to what I'm about to appeal on behalf of Christ. Or to put it another way, Paul is praying that Philemon will allow this Christian faith they share to deepen in him, helping him to respond rightly to the tough gospel appeal that is coming right up in this letter. Now, dear brothers and sisters, Paul's words in verse 6 is as important to Philemon as it is for you and for me. When we share this common faith in Jesus Christ, this common faith will call us to deepen our understanding and to enlarge our hearts to respond to any appeal that comes from the gospel. Whether it is for us to make the right decisions at crossroads, to pay the price for godliness in the face of temptation, or to take the step of sacrifice for the sake of the gospel. This common faith that we share in Christ wants to lead us to grow deeper in our understanding and to experience more this gospel truth. Now, here's the thing. Spiritual growth does not happen by osmosis any more than me sitting in front of a YouTube channel with a packet of chips watching exercise or parkour videos to get fit. It doesn't happen by osmosis. Or me sitting there watching cooking shows with my wife thinking that I'll become a chef by doing nothing. Spiritual growth goes against our worldly preferences. It demands putting head knowledge into heart-pounding choices. So here is an opportunity for spiritual growth, says Paul. And I pray that you, Philemon, will take it up. So with that, Paul moves into his gospel appeal in verses 8 to 21. Would you look at verse 8 with me? Verse 8. Therefore, says Paul, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. Now Paul, in this letter, he did not exercise his authority as an apostle of Jesus Christ which he often used in his other letters. Rather, he appeals on the basis of love that comes from the gospel. Verse 9, Paul begins by describing himself, describing himself as an old man, a prisoner not because he was a criminal, but a prisoner because of the gospel message he carried, because of Jesus Christ. Now Paul, Paul was once a young, influential man. But he gave it all up because he was worn over by the love of Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. And he lived his life now as an old man in prison. 
and he appeals to Philemon on the basis of love, a love that Philemon knows because he loves his church. But he asks for more. And then next, Paul moves on to Onesimus. Look at verse 10 to 11. Onesimus was once a useless slave who betrays his master, Philemon. In fact, the name Onesimus, which means useful, might well have been given by Philemon himself as masters would often give names to their slaves when they are being acquired. Just like how parents will give names to our children with certain meanings and hopes embedded in the names. But Onesimus, he did not live up to his name. He ran away from his master, possibly having stolen enough money to travel from Colossae to the capital Rome. But by God's sovereign love and mercy, Onesimus came to faith by meeting Paul in prison and in person. Now, because he became Paul's spiritual son, in, 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 while Paul is in chain, he also became a help for Paul. So Onesimus, in his repentance, became transformed by the gospel and was useful once again. Onesimus was clearly now useful for this old man, and Paul would love for things to remain as it is. But that is not to be the case because the common faith that Paul shares with Onesimus and Philemon would not allow Paul to do nothing. And so we come to verse 12. Look at verse 12 with me. Paul says, I'm sending him who is my very heart back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I do not want to do anything without your consent. So here we have three men doing things they would naturally not want to do. The first one, Paul. Paul naturally did not want to send Onesimus away. He was a great joy to this old man in his old age. He was a good help to this old prisoner. He was useful for the gospel. And meanwhile, Onesimus, he naturally did not want to go back to Colossae. Although not often exercised, he was in danger of two counts of very serious, if not capital punishment. If only he could, he, he was a runaway slave. He was a slave who robs his master. For Onesimus, if only he could simply remain with Paul for the rest of his life, now that he has turned over a new leaf and just serve the Lord and serve Paul. But the gospel demands that he returns and face his master. And the third man, Philemon, naturally he did not want to face the appeal by Paul. The pain on him was great enough. And he would rather not have to deal with it further. He would love to just move on if there are losses, just live it and just move on. But now, now Philemon has to make a very difficult choice between culture and Christ. He has to make this choice. The easiest would be to just follow the cultural expectation, punish Onesimus heavily to set an example for all the future slaves. If he, if he doesn't become a gladiator for the Romans' entertainment, it will be years of imprisonment. The harder choice, however, would be to follow Christ, to for, forgive this repentant sinner and even calling him a brother. 
drinking Onesimus' consequence on his behalf. When you forgive someone, somebody's got to drink it up. And in this case, Philemon has to drink up the consequence of Onesimus' crime. For surely the option of forgiving Onesimus, it will be badly frowned upon by the other slave owners in the market. Can you imagine him forgiving Onesimus and back in the market, all the other slave masters look at Philemon and say, what are you doing? And probably it will cause more trouble for his existing slaves in his house. Now, this is a very difficult appeal by Paul to Philemon. Paul knew that very well. That's why he did not order Philemon as an apostle to a Christian brother, but he appeals to Philemon and on the basis of love, the common faith in Christ Jesus, which now Onesimus shares with Paul and Philemon. Now, dear brothers and sisters, what is the hardest thing in life that we have to do as Christians? How would you respond under the appeal of the gospel on the basis of Christ's love for you and me? Could it be turning away from the old ways and stepping back to the true way? Could it be giving up certain bitterness? bringing them before Christ and asking Him to help us bear it. This is a very difficult passage, as I read it, to share in our 200 adult congregation, 200 size adult congregation, because here we have 200 different life stories. You have your story, I have my story, and life is complicated. The pains that some of us experience are very real, no doubt. Paul does not demand, he appeals, and here he appeals in various ways to Philemon. Open up your Bible, look at verse 15. This is what Paul says. He says, Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was so that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, a dear brother. Perhaps Onesimus Rebellion was to bring him to me for repentance and be saved by the gospel at your cost, Philemon. But now you can have him back, no longer as useless, but as Onesimus. And then Paul tries again in another way in verse 17. Look at it. He says, If you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I'll pay it back. Oh, Philemon, my dear, my dear, dear brother, will you do this for an old friend? Look, I'm writing this with my own handwriting. I'm writing this IOU to you. I put my integrity on the line. Perhaps it is payment that you need, not just because you want the money, but in order to be seen fair to your other slaves. And that life will be easier for you before your family and other slave owners. You know, if, if that is the case, you need someone to pay the debt. Put my name on the debt and I will pay back for Onesimus. But my dear Philemon, my dear brother, do not forget verse 19. That you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart 
in Christ as you have always done so for your church. Now Paul ultimately, when he reaches here, he pleads, not just on himself, but for the benefit in the Lord, verse 20. Not so that Paul doesn't need to pay Onesimus, he's just saying it for fun, it's not the case. But that Philemon may do this willingly because he had deeply benefited from the Lord Jesus Christ himself who had paid for the soul of Philemon. Dear brothers and sisters, the truth is this. Onesimus, Philemon, Paul, you and I, we were once useless to God because we were rebellious, all of us. We robbed our Creator God of His glory right after He made us and gave us names. God calls us very good. He entrusted us with His property to care for and we robbed Him. We wanted to be our own master. We wanted to be our own God. We ran away with the devil. But by God's loving mercy, He sent Jesus Christ for runaway slaves like us. For our sake, he was chained by God's love on the cross to take our place. So that if anyone demands payment for our sins, God writes with his own hand, I have paid for his soul. Now, dear brothers and sisters, the message of this postcard from Paul to Philemon is very straightforward. But it is very difficult. It will cost Philemon more to receive Onesimus back as a brother than just to consider that relationship a lost cause. And the same goes for us if there are hurts that we would rather not forgive. Now forgiveness, this word is a very, very tender issue to talk about because it involves hurts and carries the stain of our sinfulness. Now, without a healing balm, it's almost impossible to forgive, even among Christians. Now, Paul, Paul knew about this. He had made similar appeal in other parts of the Bible. In another letter in the, to the church of Philippi, Paul says this. Let me bring that to us. He said this in Philippians 4, 2 to 3. He said this, I plead with Eodia and I plead with Sintichi to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help this to this woman since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Paul knew that forgiveness is difficult even amongst Christians, but he pleaded on the basis of Christian fellowship in the common faith that we share in Christ Jesus. Louis Zamfarini's words ring true when he said, I think the hardest thing in life is to forgive. Zamfarini was a man who struggled to come back to God post-war. But God's love drew him back. He eventually took the costly road of forgiving others and in the process, a few enemy turned brothers in Christ. Paul appealed for Philemon that he would forgive and receive Onesimus 
and in the process gain an enemy turned brother in Christ. We all need to hear this message by Paul. You and I, because we are still prone to hurting others and be hurt by others. I'd like to close today's passage by finding encouragement in Paul's own experience of forgiveness and reconciliation in Paul's story. Now we were told in the book of Acts that there were three men, Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark. They were on missions together. Colossians 4.10 told us, actually Barnabas and Mark, they were cousins. Now these three men, they were doing missions together in Paul's first missionary journey recorded in Acts 12. We were told in Acts 13 that John Mark was helping Paul. But somewhere along the line in their missions, Mark deserted Paul. And Paul was furious. Mark and Paul, they had a very strained relationship. This broken relationship surfaced months later. Because when we reached Acts 15, Paul wanted to visit the churches that they had done their first round of missions. And they was making plans with Barnabas. Now by this time, Barnabas had already forgiven his cousin. But Paul had not. And this is where we read the famous account of Acts 15. Let me read this for us. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit the believers in the other towns where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted companies. Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and left. Now, Paul knew what it was to deal with anger and unforgiveness. And this story, no doubt, would have been known by Philemon and the church of Colossae. Everyone knows this story. But by the time Paul had become an old man, he had, by the power of the gospel, long forgiven John Mark and had loved Mark dearly as a brother. Where do we read this? Well, it is actually recorded in both the letter to the Colossians and actually in today's letter in Philemon and other letters. Let me draw them out to us before we close our time together. In Colossians 4.10, Paul says this. He said, My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus sends you greeting, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. So Mark sends greetings to you, Colossians. You have received instruction about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. In today's letter, Philemon 3, it says this in 23 to 24. Epaphras, which is their senior uh, founding pastor, my fellow prisoner in Christ sends you greetings, and so do Mark. And then he gives a list, my fellow workers. And finally, again, Paul, when he was in prison near the end of his life, he gave his spiritual son, Timothy, this instruction in the second letter to Timothy. In chapter 4, this is what he says. Only Luke is with me, Timothy, but get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. 
I've sent Tychicus to Ephesus. Now Paul knew what it was to be hurt, to part ways with fellow believers. But he also knew the power of the gospel to forgive and to reconcile. It was a challenge for Philemon to forgive and receive Onesimus, for sure, verse 17. It is extremely difficult to go against the social norm or our natural tendency in order to obey the gospel. But yet Paul, as he closed the letter, he is confident that Philemon would eventually do it, verse 21, not by his own strength, but on the basis of love and their sharing in the common faith of Christ's forgiveness. Now these words are true for Paul, for Philemon, for us. Forgiveness is one of the hardest things in life. And forgiveness is one of the greatest mysteries of the Christian faith. To do what our natural tendencies do not want to do. To repent when we sin and to forgive when it costs. It's only possible if we, if we have also received that great healing and that great forgiveness from the great physician, our God, through our Lord Jesus Christ. May God help us ponder into this letter more. Let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this letter to Philemon from Paul that has been kept in the canon of this Bible so that the churches in all generations can read it because we are broken people who have sinned and rebelled and were useless, but we were made onesimus because of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Father, even as we read this letter, you know all of us, you know the hearts of all of us here and all our stories, the hurts we have caused, the hurts we receive. We pray only God that this letter will help us to drink deeper into this common faith that we share and to know that these things that we have, all good things that are given to us are in Christ Jesus, including relationships that were broken but can be mend. We pray all this for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at bcpc.sg.